This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. We are here in Business Radio. We are powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 132. Hey, if it's Thursday, noon Eastern, it is open calls all hour long. We want any and all of your career questions here on Career Talk at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA program for executives in Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist former corporate recruiter and author of the new book, Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and See Success. Dream Team is in studio, Michelle and Dion, and they're ready to take your calls at 844-942-7866. So hey, what's got you stuck in the job search? What are you struggling with? We are here to help you today with all of our advice and tips. So give us a call right now at 844-942-7866. And guess what? I know it feels like the month just began, but seasonal hiring is already well underway. So if you're thinking you might want a seasonal job for the holidays, you should know a couple of things. First off, Nearly 50% of employers will stop taking applications after October. So that is not that far away. So get in the game early. The other thing that employers are saying for seasonal jobs is that they're looking for people who are excited and enthusiastic and not people who are saying they want the job for the discount. So while that may be true, try not to use that as your reason for taking the job. The other thing is a lot of seasonal jobs, if you're looking to work at retail or in in stores where people can go, they want to know that you know their products, their services, that you've used their products or services. So that might be something you can start doing right now so that when you get that interview in a few weeks, you're well-versed in that company. So think about a seasonal job. Don't think too much longer because those jobs are going to be taken very quickly. Get in the game. So today, I'm very excited because we have a great guest on the show, and we're going to talk about the job search, which we know is anything but linear, objective, and fair. And perhaps for many of you, if you're in it or you've been in it recently or you're thinking about it, it feels like a circus on Mars. It's no secret that the hiring process is broken, but guess what? There are a lot of ways you can take control of your next job search to glide past the hurdles. And that's what we're talking about today. So we welcome Caroline Stokes, who is a human capital entrepreneur, certified executive coach, and author who helps professionals move forward in the fourth industrial revolution. The founder of Forward, an executive handhunting and coaching firm, Caroline hosts the Emotionally Intelligent Recruiter podcast. She's the author of the new book, Elephants Before Unicorns, Emotionally Intelligent HR Strategies to Save Your Company, and we're super excited to have her on Career Talk today. Welcome, Caroline. Thank you, Dawn. Lovely being here. Well, I'm excited because your book comes out literally this week, and people can go buy it right now. That has to be super exciting for you. 
It is. I I have no idea just quite how exciting it would be. So yes, I'm, I'm excited. So congratulations. So so elephants before unicorns. I love that title. It's very unique. Tell people what you're talking about when you talk about elephants and unicorns. So what I'm talking about is that for organizations, they often have these hidden elephants in the room or in their organization that are unspoken. They're are not realized. They're typically hidden, uh, a lot like that. They're a company's blind spots, which impact their ability to hire the real talent that they want to be able to take their, their company forward. And by talent, I mean unicorns. So you're thinking that these are cultural things, like the elephants, the, the, the way they hire, the way they treat people. Is that, is that what they're about, Caroline? Yeah. So they're, they're in three different areas. It's, it's about how a company hires, how, and typically from the very, very top, so the founders through to the, C, from the CEO, the founders, all the way down to the recruiters, how they hire, how they then retain, and then how they lead as well. Uh, those three areas are all together in one big package. And unfortunately, a lot of companies look at them as separate divisions, which impacts the employer brand, the, the candidate experience, the employee experience moving on, which enables them or doesn't enable them to do the job properly. And what I love about your book is that you talk about how the recruiting process and hiring process should be, how companies should invest in their people. And we hear all the time that people are our, our greatest asset and we're yeah. investing in our people. And your book really highlighted for me all of the practices that would be ideal and that I think job seekers and professionals expect but aren't hab- happening. And I know I said to you uh, when we talked earlier that if, if everything in your book came to light in organizations, People would not need my book switchers. <laughs> so I love and, and and the reason I love this is because I think I think every company who works with people, which is probably most every company, should should get this book and start thinking about how are we implementing these things and how can I start to make incremental changes? Because people are the wave of the future and and people need to be agile and companies need to know how to select those. And that's really what you're talking about when, when you're talking about the fourth industrial revolution. So let's talk a little bit about that, Caroline. What is that? What should companies expect? What should job seekers expect? Mm. We're in the fourth industrial revolution right now. If you're using a bot on a on a chat bot on a on a on your mobile device when you're trying to get, get tell your electricity company that, that there's there's no electricity in the, in the in the house, or you're uh, uh, looking to find out whether or not there's a dress online or a, a, a suit online that you're looking for, you are using a chat bot or booking my my hair appointment now. I know that I'm not speaking to somebody, but it's intelligent enough to be able to do that. Uh, the fourth industrial revolution includes everything from AI uh, through to uh, all of the different technologies that we are almost taking for granted now. And it's just going to become more and more advanced, everything from automation and so on, which means that when we're in this, when we're in this subtle change, uh, it's going to be become a very significant change before we know it, a lot like the boiling, boiling frog parable where you don't notice that it's happening and then all of a sudden... Uh, the, the, there's a system that HR can bring in or there's an app that can do that, that job for you. So what we have to understand as human beings is that we have to advance to understand the technology as well as being able to use the technology, work with the people around us in an effective way and not be afraid by that, not be stressed by that and really push ourselves into all of those areas to ensure that we are going to be highly valued to, to use that, that uh, those tools 
too. Yeah, and it's exciting and it's scary for both sides because companies yeah. are not sure how to hire. And yeah. I, I think the hiring process is already broken, so we're not starting at a great place. <laughs> and then, of course, employees or people who are applying for jobs aren't sure what skills are going to be valued. And I think what we're seeing is fewer technical skills are being valued because machines can start to do yeah. those. And more, as you talk about in your book, emotionally intelligent skills are what companies are looking for. So can can you, can you put that in layman's terms for people who are right now thinking that they may be in a job search? What what are some of these emotionally intelligent skills that they need to think about when they're applying? Mm. Well, first of all, uh, uh, emotional intelligence isn't the panacea. Even Adam, Adam Grant talks about that, uh, amazing, amazing author. Uh, emotional intelligence is important because it enables us to understand exactly what the challenge is right there and then. You're talking about stress management, self-perception, where you are now, uh, self-expression, how you can communicate with others, how you play well with others, how you uh, are able to uh, communicate and get your point across. Interpersonal skills are also married with those as well as decision-making. And all of those tie up with artificial intelligence, where we're going in the fourth industrial revolution. They coexist perfectly well. You can't have humans without that ability. So even though emotional intelligence is kind of has a really fluffy edge to it, it's anything but fluffy because you need to be able to make, you have to be able to make uh, uh, the right decisions, go into deep problem solving mode, reality testing, make sure you're not buying the latest technology just because another company has done it. Uh, and, and, And being able to understand exactly what the problem is with your customers, with your employees, with the people that that are, are most important for you to be able to run a business. So emotional intelligence, even though it sounds really fluffy, it really isn't. And you need all of those abilities to be able to come through so you're able to lead. 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are here with Caroline Stokes, who is a human capital entrepreneur, certified executive coach, and author of the new book, Elephants Before Unicorns, Emotionally Intelligent HR Strategies to Save Your Company. And we are talking all about what to expect in your future job search. And we're going to start to get a little bit into what can you do to get around some of these, let's just say, less than emotionally intelligent hiring processes that are out there. We believe that the hiring process is fair and linear and practical and makes sense. But the fact is, there's a lot of broken pieces in that. And the good news is, is that you can be empowered to get past those pieces. And that's what we're talking about today with Caroline Stokes. Hey, 844-942-7866. Are you stuck somewhere in your job search? Or maybe you're just stuck because you want to pursue something new, but you have no idea because you haven't been in a job search for years. Give us a call, 844-942-7866. So we're talking about the fourth industrial revolution, Caroline, and emotional intelligence, and that you know companies are saying they're finding it very difficult to find unicorns, but even even not even unicorns, people who, who just can think critically, mm-hmm. who can build relationships, who have influence skills, who can problem solve without a step-by-step manual. So I'm wondering where the breakdown is. Are we not teaching this in schools? Is, is, is it not something that, um, you know, we're, we're learning anymore because we're constantly on our phones? What's, what's the problem? Mm. 
I strongly believe that the the problem is we have uh, too often we have a fixed mindset. We think that we we like to get comfortable, and really, unfortunately, it's our job as human beings to constantly learn and have a learning learn it all mindset, have a growth mindset, and constantly push yourself, make yourself uncomfortable by learning all of these different aspects, and that means asking for something called feedback. Really simple, which is that if you're hearing from people that that you're not performing well in a particular area, it gives you that opportunity to learn and grow. And I, or rather, I should say, to find out what you need to do to learn and grow. So a lot of people are very uncomfortable asking for feedback. Many people are uncomfortable giving feedback. So I completely agree with you. We need to we need to somewhat drive our our learning of emotional intelligence in situations because oftentimes people would, would prefer to gossip rather than tell us to our faces that, hey, that's not the appropriate response. So so specifically for, for young people coming into the workforce today, how can they how can they seek out this feedback and how can they use opportunities in the workplace to grow in this area? Mm. The best way is to start off by putting your ego into a box and, and really putting it away because whatever whatever you ask for, you're going to get feedback that is going to make you smart. It's going to make you wince. It's going to make you uncomfortable because your self-perception of yourself and your self-regard is as it is. And when somebody says, you should be doing this, the way that they deliver that information may not be packaged in exactly the right way that you would be able to do it at. So my recommendation is that you take the notes, you take the information, you're then able to go and say, okay, how can I analyze this? What is it? that I need to be able to do forward, uh, moving forward. And if you can have that mindset very early on in your career, by the time you're, you know, several months into that, several several uh, years into that, it will become automatic and you'll just be able, you'll, you'll, people will trust you. Yeah, we hate ambiguity as human beings. And I would say the more ambiguous situations you can put yourself into, the more rooms you can put yourself into where maybe you're the least qualified and can learn from others, the more opportunities you can to, to set up time with your manager or your project lead to get feedback, even if it's not part of the, the normal process. Maybe you only get feedback annually at your company, but there's no saying you can't say, hey, I would like it quarterly, or it would be really helpful to meet monthly where I can review my stats and talk to you about how I can improve. I mean, those are things that you can drive to help grow in these areas. 844-942-7866. Are you struggling in the job search? If it's Thursday, it's open calls all the time. We are here for you on Career Talk Sirius XM 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. Give us a call at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We're here with Caroline Stokes, who is the author of the new book, Elephants Before Unicorns. And we're talking about the fourth industrial revolution and specifically how recruiting processes need to change. But now I want to I want to flip because we know it's going to take some time, Caroline, and hopefully your book is, is going to inspire a lot of companies to reflect. But there is a stat that that um, you talk about companies spend two percent of their time recruiting two two percent of their time recruiting and 75 percent managing recruiting mistakes like that mm-hmm. just like blew my mind it, it just you know jumped out at me there was something else that only half new recruits half of new recruits meet employer expectations so clearly something is breaking down and so we're not going to solve the world's recruiting problems today but I want to talk about how a job seeker who 
is in this process and dealing with some of these hurdles of you know hiring managers not being trained or really disorganized hiring process or getting ghosted or all of these things that people are experiencing in the job search, how they can get around these so they can successfully get into the jobs that they want. And if you're struggling with any of these things, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you, 844-942-7866. So let's, let's start with... The job description itself. So one of the things I know from being a recruiter is often the job description is not updated or, you know, they use fantastic language to make the job sound better than it is. Or they use words that don't mean much, like you have to be a good communicator, self-starter, team player. And the job description doesn't even align to performance expectations in the company. So, you know, let's start with with this job description. How can people who are applying really get a sense of what the job is from the job description? That's a great question. And the part of the challenge is that you don't know until you actually start having conversations. And what you can do, or what typically happens, as you know, is that people will apply for a role saying, I can do that. I, I, I know that this is, I'm 100% right for this. But then the reality is completely different. Uh, you've really got to do your, your research on the organization. If you have friends in the organization, ask them what they mean. What is, what is their language? Uh, what, what are their, what's their definition of uh, growth mindset? What's their definition of self-start? What does that actually look like so that they're able to see, oh, okay, they're looking for a self-starter, but actually I really like to work with somebody as a leader. That's not really going to be me. Or people will say, yeah, I can be a self-starter, but not really have a good idea about what, what that actually means. So when looking at a job description, it's really, really important to be able to identify what those Super, what superpowers you have that that really ties in and having excellent examples on on how you're able to to fill that. Yeah, I I love the idea, and I'll say this often about having an insider in the company, and it doesn't matter if they're in that department or on that team. It can really be anybody in the organization. It doesn't even matter if they're in that office or a different location. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's working in the company and can see the culture and has access to their inner in, intranet and all of the things that go on. I mean, can be a huge resource. It makes a, a huge difference because otherwise you, you, you will have in your mind what that means and you don't realize what the knowledge gap is until you actually get in, in, into it, into the organization, and then you're able to see the different shades of gray of what, they, what, that, they means, what that means. So, for example, you might look at Amazon and Microsoft and Google and think, oh, well, they're these great big companies. Uh, surely they do things in the same way, but they, they have completely different uh, internal cultures on, on, on how they get things done, and, uh, and, and that can't be duplicated in any other organization because of the leadership. Yeah, and I think if you don't have somebody inside the company that you can reach out to, ask the questions. I mean, I think it's perfectly fine to say, you know, one of the things you list or you've mentioned several times is being a self-starter. What does that look mm-hmm. like here? What yeah. What is your, you know, your ideal candidate being a self-starter look like in real life? Because mm-hmm. we're afraid to ask these questions because we assume we should know or we, should, we assume that we're, we make ourselves look silly. But the fact is, is that you need to know. Here's one great way you can empower yourself. It's not just about getting the offer. It's about knowing, is this a good job for me? Is this a good team for me? Is this a good partnership with a manager for me? Because you're making a decision in the same way they are. They are. So don't be afraid to ask questions if something doesn't make 
sense. Definitely. <laughs> if you don't, then you just find that there's, there, there are these big, again, it's an elephant in the room. You're actually putting yourself in a position whereby you're creating this issue for yourself if you don't answer it. And then when you're maybe on, at stage two or stage three of the interview and they're, pu- they're pushing back saying, oh, we're, we're looking for this kind of information uh, in, in, during the interview. If you don't know that, then you're not going to be able to express yourself. The people cannot know you and what you can bring without you having a good understanding about what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. 844-942-7866. Are you thinking it's time for a new job but have no idea how to start this process or you keep getting stuck? Maybe you get to the first interview but can't get to the second one. We're here to help on Career Talk all hour long if it's Thursday noon Eastern. 844-942-7866. The other stat that I read, Caroline, was that, mm. that men apply to jobs if they're 60% qualified but women feel like they need to be 100% qualified. And what yeah. I would I would say to people is, look, no one, no candidate is going to be perfect. I know they call those perfect purple squirrels in in the recruiting world, but it's it's very rare that any candidate has all of the qualifications. So if you put your kind of sleuth hat on and you realize that a lot of these job descriptions are ideal, you know, you can start to say, well, okay, let me step back and say, what do I do have? And do I have sort of the core of the qualifications? So I think that's something else. Don't psych yourself out just because a job ad looks like it's bigger than it is. And I've actually done that. I've actually done that a number of times. And I've had friends kind of slap me upside the head and say, what? You're totally qualified <laughs> to do that. And I'm like, no, they want this. And and so I think we all fall into that that syndrome. So how can people get around that, Caroline? Yeah, well, first of all, admit that you, you, you tell your own stories on, on what you think. And, and we can all go, we, we, we can go into a panic and think, okay, we're, we're not qualified for this, or this company is too big for this, or they just have so many doubts, so much self-doubt on, on what we can, what we're capable of doing. And then there's other people that have such an incredible level of high self-regard that they will apply for roles uh, that they're not at all qualified for. And you just, from a recruiter's perspective, you just kind of wonder what, where, where's their reality gap? So my recommendation is that you do have uh, friends uh, or former colleagues that whereby you have a conversation with them and say, I'm looking to apply for this particular role. What do you think? And I would imagine that eight times out of 10, you will get the feedback saying, oh, yes, I can absolutely see you doing this. And I actually know somebody in this type of organization and I can see you being a great culture fit. There's no harm in having those conversations because it's going to give you the confidence to, to move forward and actually apply for the role or to have a conversation with a recruiter or maybe search the hidden market and, and go directly to the CEO or, or HR uh, to actually, to actually uh, make an application. And then you're able to have that confidence and that enthusiasm because, as you said right at the very beginning um, of, 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 your, of your show, you're, you're, when, when talking about the um, seasonal uh, roles, you need to be enthusiastic you have to know the products and things like that and that is a great way to project that genuine confidence right from the very beginning if you, if you have all of that in place yep well said hey we're here with caroline stokes today who's the author of the brand new book just out elephants before unicorns emotionally intelligent hr strategies to save your company and if it's thursday noon eastern we're live here on career talk and we're going to go right to the phones with Rhodes in virginia welcome to the show roads what's on your mind today hey thank you all for uh, having me i so uh just stepping back to your question uh, or, your, or your topic about emotional intelligence so um i had a boss about 
five years ago who introduced me to a book called Emotional Intelligence 2.0, and mm-hmm. it really changed the trajectory and course of my career. But now that I'm that I'm you know into that practice of, of trying to get feedback and and having a continuous loop, is all feedback created equally? Because I've seen in some cases someone might not like you, and might want to throw some things in there that could uh, be to your detriment. Yes, mm-hmm. interesting. There are nasty people out there. Um. <laughs> you have to go. You, you have to do a gut check on that, which is that when or if that situation happens, and in your radar and spidey sense is tingling, that you know maybe they're not exactly coming from a place of caring and and about your well being and and about your direction and your future and really how that you know where are they coming from? Are they doing something because they they don't have the right intentions? But sometimes you know that that feedback can say a lot about uh, their own frustrations, their own issues. And, uh, you know, I always say if somebody gives you feedback and even if you don't like it, say thank you. Yeah. And I, I, um, Rhodes, I think to answer your question, no, feedback is not created equally because on the flip side of that coin, somebody could adore you and give you feedback that actually isn't helpful for you for whatever reason. It doesn't align with your goals or where you're going. Um, So I do think saying thank you and, and let me think about that is a really great step. And then stepping back and saying, okay, does this align with my my goals? Does this align with my values? Is this something that I'm just pushing back on because of ego? Or is this something that I truly need to work on? And I, I think you do need to be objective because sometimes people just are terrible at giving feedback and they, they give you the wrong type of feedback. Sometimes they're trying to be helpful and it comes out wrong and you get kind of ticked about the delivery. So there's all these aspects tied into it and we're such emotional creatures that the first reaction we usually have is emotional. The other thing is we often have our own critique systems internally so it's not unusual for humans to look for people who say things that they've already thought through whether good or bad. So when you find somebody who gives you the feedback you've already been thinking you're more readily going to accept it whether or not it's true. So I think it is it is a super complex Thing. And if you know somebody kind of has it out for you, which it sounds like you do, then I think you have to really dig into that feedback and say, is this in my best interest? Do you have a piece of feedback that you've been given that's questionable, Rhodes? Well, no. So so at, at my previous company, we did uh, 360 uh, reviews, at which, which I found really beneficial. But as I started to move up in the organization, those 360s became uh, smaller, I guess, in scope. And so even though they were, they were meant to be um, uh, as anonymous as possible, just based on reading that feedback, you could tell who <laughs> was giving it yep. just because the sample size wasn't really large enough. Um, and, and so I guess, you know, in, 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 does it make more sense to have those randomized uh, feedback sessions or should you ask just for direct feedback from the people that you – admire but may not have uh, as much interaction as you'd like with. Yeah, so it's interesting because I like 360 because it certainly diversifies the population, but often you pick who you want to do your 360. And I think when you pick, you know, you may inadvertently be biasing the 360 you know, in your favor in certain ways. Yeah, and certainly not everybody works with you in the same way. Some people are 
very involved in your day-to-day. Others don't see 90% of the things you do, so the questions that they're answering don't even apply, so they just throw a mark in there just to get through that page. And then, of course, you have subordinates who may worry that exactly what you said, you're going to know who said this, so they're going to not say Uh anything. So there's all of these, I think, challenges. So, Caroline, you've done a lot of work in this area. Feedback's so important. So how can people use it most effectively to meet their goals? Mm. I think you've really got to understand and, and do an assessment just for yourself on where where you want to go at any time. So, for example, when I, when I do coaching for people, I go through the series of questions that are going to be most important for them out to, to help them with their growth. So, I would I would probably seek some counsel either from HR or from a coach if if you have the opportunity to work with one with, work with them to be able to see what it is what growth areas you have so you can ask the right questions on how you need to evolve and grow so you can get that those insights and then once you once you have that you're then actually asking people to give you uh, feedback in an appreciative inquiry way where you're thinking about how things could be rather than how were things done so that you you're able to get in your mind where you need to go yeah and I would I would add to that to look for themes and patterns usually when something is is you know quality whether good bad or indifferent it shows up in a lot of different ways in a lot of different environments with different audiences so you know if you have an anger issue for example you're probably going to have that at home at work on your team and and all of these different things and so I think that's another thing look for themes and patterns don't go with one offs or, or two people said that but look for what is coming up again and again and again and then second part of that is does this align with my goals? Is this aligned with the brand that I want to put out there? Because if it's not, maybe you can ignore that feedback. If it is, maybe you need to make a change. Rhodes, thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. If it's Thursday noon Eastern, we are here for you all hour taking your calls at 844-WARDEN, 844-942-7866. We are live on Sirius XM 132. We're here with Caroline Stokes, who is the author of the brand new book, Elephants Before Unicorns, which is on sale now. And we need to go to our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz. There is a quiz, and it kind of has an, a, a deeper meaning. So here you go, Dion. Um, Neil Armstrong and the Apollo 11 crew faced the real chance that they wouldn't return from the moon safely, leaving their families without financial support. Due to the extreme danger of the role, they couldn't take out life insurance policies. So instead, they did this to ensure their families would be covered if they didn't make it home. So they couldn't get insurance policy, so instead they did this to make sure their families would be financially covered if they didn't make it home. If you think you know, give us a call at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 132, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. Welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio. We are powered by the Wharton School Series XM 132. I'm your host, Dr. John Graham. And hey, if you haven't checked out my TEDx talk on 
Google, just put in my name and TEDx talk and bam, that'll come up. It talks about how your next job might be one conversation away. And we are here today, very excited for Caroline Stokes, whose book is coming out this week and available right now for purchase, Elephants Before Unicorns, Emotionally Intelligent HR Strategies to Save Your Company. We're talking about the fourth industrial revolution and how you can prepare as a job seeker to get the job that you want. So Caroline, where can people reach? you if they want more information after the show please go to the the forward.co or my twitter handle which is o caroline stokes fantastic and so you used to be a headhunter caroline so you're you're very skilled in in hiring and all of these processes Mm. on that side of the table as well and so you know, I want to I want to talk about some more things that that job seekers need to be aware of. And one of the things that comes up a lot is the applicant tracking system. Yeah. And the applicant tracking system, for those who don't know, is that system where your resume goes in and it looks for matches and keywords or titles or years of experience. And what we know is that one, it's not conducive to switchers people who are changing careers, but it also weeds out 75% of resumes before they even get to a hiring manager, often for reasons of maybe you don't have the right titles or maybe things are not spaced in the right places or maybe it's not the right format. I mean, some of these reasons can be downright silly. But I'm curious, Caroline, where are we moving with technology and hiring and specifically around AI? Is it getting better? Definitely getting better. Uh, Pymetrics is, has just created technology that's receiving fantastic ba- backing. Also, there's a, there's there's just so much exposure about this particular technology because it really puts power to the um, it, uh, candidates or the talent, or the applicants that are wanting to work with a company that really makes sense. So what happens with uh, Pymetrics is that the individuals are able to play these games, and I don't mean you know playing Tomb Raider or something like that, but they're playing games to be able to understand what type of individual they are, so they're able to be tracked through the system. Also, it's avoiding bias. Uh, we know how recruiters, ATS systems, uh, hiring managers can uh, can develop or have these invisible biases that can actually impact your ability to be successful. So this technology takes all of that out. So I think the future is going to be bright because it will enable the best people to go through that system rather than uh, the the typical uh, uh, root of hu- human error. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because I, I think you're right. I think we are getting better at all of this technology and, and moving forward. Uh, a lot of companies still aren't using this, so I think it's going to be a long time before this is, is commonplace. And the other thing that I always worry about, Caroline, is that these systems are being programmed by humans. So who are they getting to provide input to these systems? I mean, are they getting people who are, are psychologists, behaviorists, recruiters? I mean, who, who's doing the programming and figuring out if these games or these systems are valid in hiring for the jobs that these companies have? Mm. Um, that's a great question. And I think the, the, there's, there's a lot of backing and there's a lot of research and there's a lot of proof out there whereby they do have the people in these organizations that are scientists as well as people who have 
uh, great experience in neuroscientists, uh, neuroscience as well as um, psychology and uh, business background. So they're they're looking at it from all of those different angles. And one thing that I see companies doing uh, in the future is that they're going to be hiring a lot of um, uh, philosophers and analysts that are able to really understand what is necessary for an organization to evolve so the right decisions are being made. And I think one of the, the, it seems to me, low-hanging fruit, easy things to do that has not been done is training hiring managers. I often ask a lot of uh, you know people I work with, how many people have hired, all the hands go up, how many people have received at least eight hours of training and you know two of the hands go up. And you talk yeah. in your book about unconscious incompetence and you know mm-hmm. our hiring process. You know We don't know what we don't know. So if you're not trained to hire, we often make decisions as hiring managers based on emotion or who we'd like or you know what seems like it makes sense on paper. So why aren't we training more hiring managers? And more importantly, what can an applicant do if they get stuck with a hiring manager who's asking silly questions around what kind of plant would you be or you know <laughs> things that aren't valid? And we've all been asked that question. We all, what kind of animal would you be? You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Well, those those hiring managers are really trying their best. They they don't know what they don't know, and they are often under such incredible pressure to uh, interview as, as as few people as possible because they need to be able to place place somebody in that role so they can do the job without realizing actually it's going to make their lives even harder. Uh, it, this is where it's just imp- so important that all organisations could develop the, the, a culture whereby learning isn't a punishment, learning isn't uh, a mindset that that demonstrates that you don't know it, and uh, and, and uh, but it will actually impact your ability to uh, cre- create a company that that re- reflects what they want the company to grow into. So hiring managers, all hiring managers can learn. All hiring managers can be curious and, and go down that particular path. But for, to, to answer your question about what can uh, talent do to get around that is to – this is a tricky tricky question to answer because it, often hiring managers don't know what they, what they don't know. And it's up to the uh, candidate, the person that's, that's being interviewed, to be able to interpret what is what what the big hairy audacious goal is for the organisation, where the where the uh, hiring manager wants to go, and to engage in it from that perspective rather than just looking from a job description perspective and and putting the um, hiring manager in a situation whereby they just think that they they that they've just got to tick some of the, some boxes. So it's it's about again I'm using this term appreciative inquiry where does the company want to go where does the hiring manager want to go where is the problem and then you can start speaking to those particular areas yeah and and I think that's where this unconscious incompetence comes in I agree with you they don't know what they don't know hiring's not their main job maybe they hire two or three people a year so they're thinking it doesn't make a lot of sense to invest in this but here's the thing you as a job seeker need to be empowered regardless of the questions asked you need to show up and leave on the table what you need them to know to show yourself as the best candidate because here's what happens and, and I'm not saying this is this is all the time but I've been in situations where they're not they're not planning for you to come in they read your resume five minutes before or they grab people in the hall and say hey can you interview this person with me who has never even been in the process of the the selection process and so 
they may not know what questions to ask. They may not even know what position you're interviewing for. That happened to me once. I thought I was interviewing for one position. They thought I was interviewing for a completely different one. You can imagine yeah. how awkward that conversation <laughs> went when I'm like, wait, what What am I interviewing for? That is not a great conversation. Um, so, so I think you as a job seeker need to go in there as prepared as possible. Research who you're going to be interviewing with. If they haven't told you, ask. You know, can you tell me some of the people I'll be interviewing with? Look them up on LinkedIn. Definitely. Learn about them. Of course, they could change last minute. Things happen. But do everything you can to get that ball in your court so you can show up. And even if every question they ask you is negative, like where have you failed and what are your weaknesses? And you need to be able to say, these are the things I want to leave on the table. These are the things that align with making me the best candidate. And regardless of the questions that I get asked or what craziness goes on in the interview, I'm going to make sure they know this about me. Hey, 844-942-7866. You're listening to SiriusXM. We are Career Talk on 132, and we are here with Caroline Stokes, who is a human capital entrepreneur, former headhunter, certified executive coach, and author of the new book, Elephants Before Unicorns. And we're talking all about how you can be empowered in light of some of these more challenging job search hurdles. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things that people are, are saying to me, Caroline, around, you know, companies are wanting more up front before they even talk to a candidate. So uh, one way videos, for example, you get a couple of questions and you have to video record yourself doing that, which to me sounds like a complete nightmare. Or I've had candidates say they want me to put together this complete business case before I've even had a phone screen. What what do you you know, what are your thoughts on on this? I get I get the companies trying to get data and not waste their time, but it also seems to be pretty imbalanced for the job seeker. Well, certainly, because if you don't know what uh, what the company is about, then it can be really challenging. Uh, there are, I think the, the, the time has, has come whereby making video applications or is, is, is actually fine because you want to be able to uh, have a conversation with them or see, see somebody in, in action or you know, to, to see that they have a pulse, that they are genuinely interested. I don't have too much of a problem like that, but what I do have a problem with, with is when companies say, we'd like you to put, put a business plan together before we've even met you, before we've even had a conversation, before you even um, do anything, because we, we, we want to be able to see where your mind is at and where you're going. And again, uh, I've, I've seen programmers do this as well as designers, whereby they're expected to, to jump through those hoops before they, they get to that particular uh, point. And that can take days. To, to write all of that up and put all of, all of that together or, you know, a good six hours of somebody's uh, time to, to do a, some programming uh, for, for, for the company. So whilst that does exist, you've got to really make a decision as to just, just how, how important is this and also, as we spoke earlier, to have a conversation with somebody internally beforehand to, 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 to see whether or not the system can change in any way um, and, 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 and to really see whether or not this is worth, worth your time. Yeah, and I think this is, again, where we as job seekers can feel empowered and say, you know, I'd be happy to put together a business case. Uh, would it be possible to have a 15-minute conversation just so I can okay. learn more about the job? And, you know, I see the job description. I had some questions. Because, again, if a company is really interested in hiring unicorns, those people who are going to 
um, be all in for the company. I mean, a 15 minute conversation should be should be doable. And it might just give you the information you need to say, yes, this is this is the job for me or wow, that's not at all what I thought this would be. So maybe I'll pass. Companies need to to sell ultimately if they and and it means them having the conversation with with people. It hasn't it hasn't become such an automated system. For example, you go onto Expedia, you go online, you don't even go into the hotel, you know, to spend one hundred and fifty dollars a night or whatever it costs. You this is this is very important. If 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 it's a direct if the director's time is money, a middle manager's time is money. They may not have the time if they're putting in eighty hours a week with a particular company. and they've got a family to be able to to make that investment with with at least with at least aligned see, seeing whether or not they are aligned with the company and the and the position uh, over a fifteen minute conversation. Yeah, and and you know I keep going back to these stats in your book that half of new recruits don't meet employer expectations and companies spend two percent of their time recruiting and seventy five percent managing mistakes. That to me that keeps kind of jumping in like we have to invest some more. Some things aren't working. So so step back. What's working? What's not working? And how can you change those things? And that's what your new book, Caroline, is all about. Elephants before unicorns. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM one thirty two. So something you talk about in your book is that recruiters, so I'm talking about internal corporate recruiters, mm-hmm. are the face of the company. And I've heard from a lot of candidates that they've had a bad experience. They've been ghosted. They haven't, um, you know, gotten clear direction, things like that. And and so what do you do when maybe the face of the company isn't giving you a good experience, but you like the organization and it seems like the hiring manager is is somebody you align with? You know, how do you how do you reconcile that, Caroline? It's really tricky because often recruiters are so overwhelmed. As, as an external headhunter for organizations, even we can be shortchanged uh, with regards to getting the information that we need to be able to do the search properly. Uh, so what we do is is go direct to the hiring manager, to the very top, to ensure that when we're having the conversations, we understand exactly what they're looking for. And we just keep the, the recruiters uh, informed of, of how everything is going. And that's, that's part of the challenge. Most recruiters, not all recruiters only want to just make sure that everything is going through the system because they may they may need to fill 150 positions. If you can just imagine just how how painful and how time consuming that is, that means that things are going to slip through the through the net and it's not going to be the most desirable experience for the candidate and it's not going to be even the most desirable experience for the for the hiring manager uh, or the company uh, imagine going to a hotel again you go to a hotel and you 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 you're receiving terrible experience but the hotel rooms are fantastic it that that, that first Port of call is, is is going to be particularly challenging. So if you are experiencing that situation where the the hiring not the hiring manager but the recruiter isn't being particularly responsive, reach out to the hiring manager and say, hey, I'm really interested to learn uh, what what is it that you would like to do moving forward with, with my candidacy. And if you find that it, the recruiter gets back to you five days later saying, sorry, but we're not moving moving forward, you can ask the question, what is it that you would have liked to have seen? Um, or, or, and so at least you get something from them so you have some form of data moving forward. Yeah, and we know this happens very often, especially in the U.S., is that a recruiter will say, for legal reasons, we you know we can't give you any further information. And you know we just selected somebody who was a better match for the job. So it's very difficult in the U.S. to get this kind of feedback. So how can somebody get it if they can't get it from the company, Caroline? 
Very challenging, of course. So if the company is, if it's the recruiter that is in, in a situation where they, they are put, pulling, putting the legal position there, it's usually an indication that they just don't know. Everybody's just been swiping right. So I think the, the, the key thing here is to, again, go back to the hiring manager if, if you get that information from the recruiter and just say, what is it you would have liked to have seen from me? Yeah, I think I think you could also do mock interviews with with colleagues or career coach. Definitely. Um, you know, you can. And here's the other thing. A lot of times you won't know. Maybe they had an internal candidate the entire time and yeah. you really had no shot to get this <laughs> job anyway. And so so I do think there's so many factors. It's really difficult to tell. Oh, I actually nice. just wrote an article for Forbes called Confessions of a Corporate Recruiter, which had all of these things in it, Caroline. I remember being a, a young recruiter and hiring managers wouldn't give me the time of day because they were traveling and they were mired in their, their crises of the day. And so I couldn't get back to candidates and I felt terrible and, and you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. And it's, it is kind of chaotic, like a circus on Mars. So, yeah. So you have to take control of the process, you know, do everything you can. One great thing is if you're in a job search and you're, you're on the edge of your seat waiting you know, put, don't put your all your eggs in one basket. Keep applying, keep networking, keep interviewing until you are sitting in that chair because anything and, and everything can happen. And if you're busy applying to other places and getting ready for other interviews, you won't be as freaked out. And also ask when you after your interview, ask, when can I expect to hear from you? And if they say, we, we hope by the end of the week, say, great. If I don't hear from you by Friday, I'll give you a call or I'll email you in the middle of next week. Get these permissions. Do this for yourself because you will definitely feel less crazy. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Hey, you got a question, give us a call. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham. And Dion, I've given you a lot of time to be thinking about this. So, so the Apollo crew faced the challenge that they couldn't get insurance because their jobs were so dangerous. And due to this, to ensure their families would be covered if they didn't make it home, what did they do? I have an unrelated question first. Okay, okay. You said the circus on Mars twice today. Yeah, I don't know why. Where, 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 does, <laughs> where did know. that come from? I have no idea. Sometimes, I don't it know. Just, it just happens? You don't want to get into my head, Dion. It's <laughs> a scary, true. scary place. This, this is I true. promise you. <laughs> okay. Um, they took out a second mortgage on their homes. That's good. That's good. Okay. It was, it was a little bit more creative than that, but oh. but you know, that's good too. <laughs> Michelle <laughs> Michelle who said she had the answer of a break No I said I didn't I thought you said you did said the opposite um, I was really hoping Dion got that I'm you, gonna... really, wait, yeah. you really thought I was going to get that No I, I really did I really did um, I'm going to say um, They bought lottery tickets <laughs> That's super secure That's very secure Sure bet <laughs> Sure thing yeah, Thanks, I didn't, Dion. I didn't yeah. even no say problem. that. Thanks for that. <laughs> so yeah, interestingly, they signed a bunch of autographs that their family could sell should something happen. Luckily, nothing did. But today, those autographs are still selling for $30,000. And the reason I love this is because it, it's an example of, okay, the system didn't work for me. The system said, this is not our policy. This is not our process. And they found another way. And you know, in this case, they didn't need it. But I think that's really what the show is about today is finding another way. You're going to run into a hiring manager or a hiring process or a system, an ATS system that, that kicks you out and all these things. But find another way, because I promise you, once you get into your mind that the hiring process is not as 
as clean cut and linear and effective as you might want to believe it is, then you can start to say, you know what, I need to take control of this and find a way around some of these hurdles and get to where I want to be. So don't get discouraged. Instead, get creative. And that's what we're talking about today on Career Talk. So so let's, as we, we're kind of wrapping up, Caroline, Caroline, let's talk about some other ways people can take control. So we've already talked about networking. We've talked about, you know, getting permission to follow up with a recruiter if the technology is, you know, not working for you. Step around that in the interview. Take control of that by knowing what you want to say. What are some other things that people can do during the hiring process that that, you know, they can that will empower them? Really knowing what you want. I know that sounds really basic, but too often we think we, we, we go into uh, saving ourselves mode. In, uh, we're, we're looking for something because we our, our company might be going through uh, uh, a takeover or we think there's going to be redundancies or maybe you're bored or whatever. And too often people will, will want to jump ship to another company very, very quickly. And they'll go down that path without really, truly spending a long time thinking about what they really want to do. Once you know why you want to move and what you're doing, uh, you're able to really speak in very confident, very desirable tones uh, on exactly what it is that you can bring to an organization. So that panic, that shock, that uh, rabbit in the or deer in the headlights look doesn't come through. It, it, they see a self-assured individual that is going to be successful. Yeah, I love that we're ending on that because I think that's something that we don't often do. And I, I, I call that the proactive job search versus the reactive job search. Yeah. I think when people are upset at work or they're in a bad situation, the first thing they do is they run online and they try, try to see where can I fit, where can I fit fit. But taking a step back and saying, one, can I fix the situation where I am? Or is it really as pervasive as I thought? Or is it temporary? And then two, really understanding what you want so that when you're going to your next job, you're running to, not running from. And I guarantee you every time you are going to be much more successful in a job search when you're running to versus when you are running from. So Caroline, the time has flown by, which um, I have so many more questions for you but I'm so excited about your book, Elephants Before Unicorns, Emotionally Intelligent HR Strategies to Save Your Company. And if you are in a hiring position, you're a recruiter or you're, you're, you have a team, you should definitely read this book. One last time, Caroline, where can people reach you? I'm on LinkedIn at O'Caroline Stokes, Twitter at O'Caroline Stokes and website www.theforward.co. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here today with us, Caroline. Best of luck on your new book, Elephants Before Unicorns. Of course, Deanne and Michelle, you didn't get the pre-break quiz, but in all fairness, that was a little obscure. And we never do. Which is so rare for my pre-break quizzes. (laughs) So, of course, thank you to all of our listeners and callers. We're here for you every Thursday live at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, to take your questions on Career Talk. You've been listening to SiriusXM Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we will see you next time. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.